I put I put a duck penetration detail in my drawings. Uh huh. But it was a duck, <laughs> like not ducked, duck. <laughs> and uh, so I I drew a duck. Uh huh. And I I had him through the wall. <laughs> And, um, you know, I had, like, the details and everything else of it. And I shoot you not. When the, Did you get a plan check comment? When I, when I sent it off to the uh, um, plan review, you know, permit review, yeah. they sent back comments and they said, how, you know, like, one of them was like, how was the, you know, the duck survive? <laughs> you know, how do you feed the duck? Uh, then another one was like, you know, um, you didn't specify what color duck does the in, does the um, caulking that you use does it color match the duck? You know, I mean, they played along pretty well. It was hilarious. I, I was like, you, did yeah. you actually add those like planchette comments and bubble them? Oh yeah, because I left it on the drawings too. I was, it's just quite fun, you know. I mean, yeah, we just had fun. Do you have that detail? I need that detail. I do. I can find it. Oh, yeah. you have to find that. Welcome to the Arcaspeak podcast. I'm Evan Troxel. Each episode, Neil Pan, Cormac Phelan, and I have a casual conversation about all things architecture, and we invite you to listen in as we talk about everything in the profession both the good and the bad. Maybe you're considering a career in architecture, you're still in school, or you've been around the blocks of Corbusier's City of Tomorrow more times than you'd like to admit. Join us in the studio as we stand around the water cooler and talk about why we love our chosen profession. It's time for some Arcaspeak. Three, two, one. Welcome, Tara. <laughs> Rewind. Welcome to episode 40 of the Arcuspeak podcast. I'm Neil Pan. I'm Evan Troxel. And I'm Cormac Phelan. And Evan, we have a few friends of the show. Actually, only a couple, but one got a little, uh, went a little overboard. Who do we have this week? All right. This week we've got. Bueno Box LLC donated $10, and they are from Charlotte, North Carolina. Thank you, Bueno Box. And our second and final uh, donation comes from Nicholas Renard. He donated $7.13 for the first donation. Nicholas Renard once again donated $7.03 for his second donation. Oh, careful. Don't say it a third time now. So thanks, Nick. That was great of you. Uh, really appreciate that. Uh, don't forget the third one, though. It is $7.17. Who was that? I, I'm not going to say the name. I'm not going to say the name. <laughs> I'll say it. Nick Renard. It's showtime. Thank you very much, Nick. Thank you. Three Nick, donations, it. all very odd numbers, and uh, he just kept hitting submit. And uh, so thanks. We appreciate everybody who became a friend of the show, Nick, for repeating and uh, Bueno Box for the first time. If you want to donate to the show and get your name read on the show and a, and a sincere thanks from us, please do so at com slash donate. And we will do that. Thanks. So this week we thought we would, uh, as, as summer is wrapping up around here, I know my kids go back to school in a couple of weeks. Um, 
we thought we'd be take take it a little light this uh, for this episode and have some fun and and talk a little bit about what we do outside of architecture, and uh, we're gonna you know what, what kind of hobbies that we have and or, or and or things activities stuff like that that we like to do when we're not in the office because you know none of us work twenty four seven. Yeah, I always think it's pretty fascinating when I talk to other people in the office or online. What it's really a diverse crowd. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, so that's always fun. All right, Neil, you since you brought this up, you get to go first. Oh, I get to go first? <laughs> yeah. Well, since Cormac mentioned it today, um, you know, and and he and I both kind of share this hobby is uh running? No, <laughs> running. Oh, please. Cormac runs? <laughs> Only if zombies are chasing him. <laughs> He's not here to, to defend himself, I guess. No. Cormac does know how to use a pen as a weapon. <laughs> I don't know if that qualifies as a hobby, though. Uh, but but Cormac and I have this uh, this, this hobby that we uh, partake in every Wednesday, I, um, and and that is uh, we we enjoy hitting our local comic book store and uh, picking up some comics to read. And uh, I know for myself, I've been doing it um, and reading comics since and collecting. Since I was uh, since I was a little kid, I think uh, one of my grandfathers kind of gave me some old Superman comics or something, and uh, when I was a pretty young kid, and and it was just something I enjoyed. You know, I enjoyed. I didn't really necessarily enjoy reading, but it got me into reading. And I don't know. I just kind of always have liked it. And you know, to be honest with you, uh, with the Guardians of the Galaxy movie just coming out, it, it's like the golden age for people that grew up reading comics because now not only do we get to see these incredible stories that we've been reading for at least for me virtually all my life but now we get to see them on the big screen and and done done right you know the the effects are there that we can uh, really enjoy these stories and and hopefully they're good movies and I mean, this is just magical because when I was growing up, you know, we kept hearing, oh, yeah, they're going to do a Spider-Man movie or they're going to do this. And and that really the technology wasn't there, as we could see by, you know, the Hulk TV show that was on. And I know they did a Spider-Man TV movie or something in the late 70s. It was just horrible stuff. I can't stuff. believe you're dissing on Lou Ferrigno. No, well, I've met Lou Ferrigno. I'm not going to diss on <laughs> oh, him. Oh, name I dropping mean, now. I hear it, you. But, but the <laughs> show, you know, I mean, it's it's... They, you know, anyway, I'm not going to get into that, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's well, just amazing what they can do nowadays. And they can cr- create these great movies and bring, you know, something that has been a hobby of mine all my life. I mean, I built a section, a half, half of my closet is just to store my comic books. I have that many. Sounds, so, sounds like a fire hazard. Yeah, it probably would. It, it, <laughs> probably burn down the house i should have reinforced the floor where all these things are sitting <laughs> yeah but, it's like uh, three thousand pounds that's a good you know somebody needs to do that math for me how much a comic book weighs i'll you know hit me up on twitter i'll tell you how many comics i have well, you, you can do, do the math for me actually just make it easier on you just you know what does what's the weight of um one 42 long, box. long boxes times uh, dust accumulation <laughs> of 14 years. <laughs> and then they could tell you the point load of those particular long boxes. But it's boxes. not a point load. These It's a, ba- it's a distributed load. Okay, so take the well, square footage off of, of the area. Based right. off of how, right. you, how you stack them. Um, okay. <laughs> All right. If you want to go the, into this now, 
I don't have long and short boxes. I bought these special boxes, and I, I oh cannot remember the name of them now, but they're a special box that is built with a cardboard frame, and then the box slides in and out of the frame. And the reason I, I have these is because so you can stack them and yet still be able to open the box on the bottom. Because traditional boxes, right? I mean, long or short boxes, they have a lid. And as soon as you start stacking boxes on top of them, in order to get to the bottom box, you got to unstack I them. know this was a good idea so, at the time, Neil, but you haven't opened those boxes and gone back through them, right? Uh, you know what? Actually, no, not true. Because as I purchase new comics, um, I, I, I file them. You know, I put them away. And so I'm always going okay. in and filing, you know, comics in the right spots and they're all in alphabetical order this is neil's uh, library of congress that was the thing you know evan i was going to ask you know let's find out how far his insanity goes <laughs> sure go do yeah, you what? do you have a card catalog system <laughs> do you have the, what the freaking era do you live system? in man <laughs> these are this all this is a computer you use age. like a delicious monster or what no i i cool. use a special software called comic base and i've been using it for a number of years um, in fact, uh, they were once, uh, Mac, Mac own. I don't know if they were, I think it was Mac and PC. Yeah. They were using FileMaker as their engine. And, uh, a, a number of years ago, they switched to a, a different database engine and, uh, they, they went PC exclusive and it is literally probably about the sole reason um, that I have uh, parallels desktop and run a piece, you know, of a, a <laughs> Every week or two, I'll open up uh, Comic Base in Windows in order to uh, update my my uh, wow. my database. That is dedication. All right, because well, everybody yeah. should know how much Neil curses the Windows. Oh I yes, mean, this is a big deal. What I'm hearing, it right is now. a huge deal. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's like this little black hole on my computer. Yeah, I, <laughs> you can't get you that know. data and put it somewhere else. Uh, yeah, I've been I've been politicking the the guy who runs the Comic Week software. I'm like, oh come on, man, you gotta. Got to get back native on the Mac somehow. Yeah, you got to be able to, you know, type these things in on your phone and they just go in the database. Oh, yeah, it would be nice. It'd be nice. But, uh, yeah, so occasionally I have to launch into Windows and curse it every time. But All right, so Cormac the Crazy goes pretty deep. It does. goes goes pretty deep. (laughs) So, but but Cormac's right there with me. He's there. He's he's posting. He's hitting his Annapolis uh, comic book shop every Wednesday. You know, I have a total of, and here's where my shame in comparison to you is lies. Uh, I have about two and a half long boxes worth of comics, and I was given one of them. Wow! So you're just a rookie. He's my been shame lying to you all these years. Well, you know, um, honestly, when I read comics, I read comics in our my local uh, library. So I didn't take them home. I just. Um, that sounds like a really smart way to do I, it. I, I actually could walk, you know, in in fact, actually, uh, my wife, uh, she just, uh, she was reading something online about one of the uh, um, graphic novels that are going to be coming to, uh, they're making a TV series out of it called Preacher. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she went and she checked out, you know, all of the graphic novels from, uh, from the local library and uh, read them all, and then returned them. Nice. So we don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have to build a wing on we our house. We always have like thirty books from the library hanging out here. Oh, Same yeah. thing. Yeah, I mean, we we're literally 
one block. In fact, actually, there's a cut through between the blocks. So I would probably say that we're closer to, like, say, a thousand feet from our door to the door of the <laughs> nice. public library. So it makes it really easy. And my sons love to go there. And, um, you know, my daughter's been now she has her own um, library card as well. So. Okay, so Cormac, is it Capital Comics or Third Eye Comics in Annapolis? Um, it's Capital, isn't it? Of Well, I actually go to both. <sighs> actually, I go to three shops. Um, I go to my local uh, Bethesda shop. you just shop, read them right there called... on the rack and then set them down and walk out without buying anything? No. Dude, dude, no, it's not a um, library. No, no, <laughs> I don't have a... I don't have a pull box, so I just go in there and get and, either... And what is a pull box whatever. for those that don't know? That is for people like Neil. <laughs> and don't tell me you don't have I one. I do. <laughs> so then you who has one, go ahead and tell everybody. What? you? Oh, a pull box is nothing more than... Um, Essentially, you tell your local comic shop owner what, what books, you, what titles you want... And they pull them for you as they come in, and then they hold them off to the side, and then they keep them so that when you come in, so you get first, you get dibs. first dibs. Yeah, you don't have to worry about your books being sold out. Um, it's it's really good. And my local shop, uh, Heroes and Villains Comics uh, in Pleasanton, I'll, we'll have a, sh- a link in the show notes for you. Um, they give if you have a certain number that you collect. Uh, then they, then you get a discount. You get free bag and board. And you get a little bit higher discount if you collect a few more. So uh, this is they're, they're, this is not great. Arca speak. This is comic speak. This is comic speak. Yes, clearly right yes. now it is. All right, well, bag them and board them and long box them and store them. All right. So what about comicsology? What about reading these things on the iPad? You know what? Um, I'm still old school. <laughs> I like to go to my you comic know, book if, store and Evan, buy my books. Do you really want just to get, to keep going? Yeah, I was gonna say. Oh, do, I'm just wondering. Do you want this to be a show all about comics? Yeah. No, or not, do you want not it really. To be but a show. I was gonna say because then you start asking that question, and then we have to go through the philosophy of the, <laughs> you know, the the paper in hand versus. No, nah, no, no. We don't have to go that far. But right. another time. I know. Another time. A good after dark episode there. <laughs> but I, I I don't typically read my comics uh, on my iPad. But the one cool thing is that, uh, and Marvel does this, and DC really doesn't. Marvel includes a code yep. for a free digital download in in many of their books, and and there's no and that no extra charge for it. Uh, DC has uh, a few extra books, well. um, but they charge a dollar more to get the digital combo pack. They call it. Thanks. And so, what was cool is recently when I was on vacation, I didn't take any comics with me to read. But because I log in several of the Marvel books that I had purchased that I hadn't yet read, I was able on the Comicology app to just go, okay, yeah, give me, you know, just download these five, six books or whatever. And then I could read them while I was on vacation. And then I just deleted them and I still have the paper copy at home. But, you know, so, I mean, that's kind of how I've used Comicology uh, and, and, you know, reading comics uh, on the iPad before. Cool. All right. So that that's yeah, what he there's says. I mean that's like a twofer here. I mean we've got, you know, Cormac's hobby, my hobby kind of in 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 one. So you got two shots there. So, yeah, you just outed Cormac. He wasn't going to say anything about comics. 
I didn't have to out him. I mean, he's always <laughs> tweeting that he's at his local comic book shop on Wednesday. So oh, yeah. that, everybody knows. Hell, actually, uh, um, so when we were in Chicago on vacation, we were looking to find uh, an ice cream shop because it was hot and everybody was craving ice cream. And uh, we saw a uh, comic book shop. Completely forgot about the ice cream, and the whole family went into the comic book shop. Excellent. So, um, and it was a great, co- it was a great little comic book shop. Um, not really that big, but it was, uh, you know, one block off of uh, Michigan Avenue in Millennial Park or Millennium Park. And uh, I kept calling that it was Millennial last Park week's episode because, <laughs> yeah, because I had that whole episode still stuck in my head. Um, and, um, but it was a good shop. And then when we got back to Detroit, um, in the, uh, um, in the area that we were staying at in the suburbs of Detroit and, uh, we went to that, uh, shop as well. Um, it seems like we go there, you know, at least four times a year that they at least still recognize us. Um, so they're like, Hey, you're back in town and nice, you know, thanks for coming by, you know. The the thing about these, uh, you know, direct market shops, which is what they really are, yeah. uh, is that, you know, the only way, I mean, sure, you're going to have your uh, diehard comic book nerds and stuff like that, but they're going to have things that are related to the movies and, and stuff. And it's just kind of good to support your local shops, regardless of what they are, biking, you know, whatever it's, it's always good. And, and none of these rarely, if ever, there's no real chain. It's just a local shop, a local guy. And, and that's actually one of the reasons why I like them. Um, so yeah. And, uh, so I go to big planet comics, third eye comics, which to me, and no offense to the other guys is hands down the best one because it's twice the shop and, these guys know anything and everything that you could possibly imagine. So I, I, uh, you know, really, really good shops. Nice. All right. I guess I should talk about well, something. Thanks, yeah. Neil. Evan, <laughs> save do, us. Evan? <laughs> save our listeners. Exactly. Okay. For those that haven't <laughs> yeah, tuned out yet, subject. Hobbies. Bring, bring it back into another hobby that uh, is maybe not quite so, uh, oh, I'll nerdy. Like, kind of put everything on hold, taking my exams the last year, but, um, I would say my biggest hobby has got to be travel and then doing adventure stuff with our kids, you know, like just figuring out places to go, experiences to have. I'd, we'd rather spend money on experiences than things. So we get out, you know, we went to Yellowstone, which we talked about in our vacation episode. Um, and But i got a trip coming up with um, a couple guys from the office, a guy, from, you know, David Doucette, who, who runs Architect Exam Prep, who we... Uh, we have sponsoring our some of our stuff on the site. He he and I and a couple other guys are going to Zion in October, and we're going to go canyoneering. So getting out, oh, cool. doing slot canyons, it, it's pretty pretty amazing. It's pretty phenomenal wow. stuff. I mean, you get to see parts of the world that that nobody really gets to see. So that, I I love doing that kind of stuff. Um, so if you ever if you Google uh, Zion slot canyoning, you'll get a, a good idea of what what happens there. It's, it's pretty amazing because when you're, I've been to Zion many, many times and I've only been there canyoneering once, maybe, I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago. And, uh, 
you walk out of a canyon with a with a harness and ropes and and a full wetsuit and it's 120 degrees outside and people are like look at you a little bit funny you know they're like, where'd you just come from and uh so you know you spend eight hours going through these canyons and they're you're jumping off cliffs into 40 degree water and rappelling down 300 foot waterfalls and you get down to the bottom and you walk out where everybody else is and you look a little different than they do so that's that's just kind of the latest adventure that i'm getting ready to go on it's 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 pretty cool stuff so i don't know does that work make it back okay (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. they say i did not watch that movie 127 hours but that's what it is from what i what i've heard i I couldn't i couldn't watch it so 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 if by yeah chance so if if the stuck. editing quality goes down on future podcasts <laughs> you'll know why because Evan is we'll do a either no longer with us <laughs> we'll or, do a tutorial uh, before yeah, yeah make sure we know how to do this first Evan <laughs> <laughs> we we can't lose you man <laughs> hey but just do yeah. me a favor take a sharp knife <laughs> <laughs> I cut it clean off you know, yeah don't. Don't be don't be the guy who has to sit there with a little small pocket knife and have to gnaw his own arm. What's off. funny is like we went we go clean cut. <laughs> we did some canyoneering here locally a couple weeks ago, and all these guys who I was with, I, I noticed they all had these pocket knives strapped right to their backpack, like right there, really accessible. And I was like, oh, that's weird. I I wonder why they have that. But now that you say it, <laughs> I wonder if it's if it's uh probably. <laughs> <laughs> And don't forget your video camera. Yeah, get the uh, GoPro going the whole time, right? Yeah, so that's what that's what I like to do. I like to get outside. I I sit behind a computer enough. I I sit at home enough. I don't want to want to get out, get some fresh air, get some nature. And then if I can, you know, I like to photograph it as well. So that's a big, big, huge hobby of mine. But maybe you can talk about that when I go next here. Well, talk about it now because honestly, I that was that's one of my things as well. But I've, as I sit here and stare at my spherical lens as it sits lonely and starting to collect dust on my desk because I haven't pulled my cameras out in a long time. Um, I mean, I know you and I uh, love taking photos, um, and I've actually been impressed. Honestly, and, and this sounds sacrilegious to all the people who are um, more pro. I mean, I only have a, a Nikon D300, um, but I love taking photographs with my iPhone 5. <laughs> yeah. You know, I am thoroughly impressed. I mean, it, you know, you really can't get big, huge, raw images out of it. You know, they're not, they don't take up. Um, you know, tens and tens of gigs of, or megabytes of space per, but I mean, I think you're looking for gigabytes is the right word. Gigabytes. Yeah. Gigabytes. Well, no, they say the best camera is the one you got with you. Exactly. You know, and, and I've got so many shots, you know, uh, we just got off, you know, literally, I don't know, uh, what is it? five six about five hours ago we got back for um our vacation and uh one of our big stops was in chicago and i had both of my phones i have an office phone and a personal phone and i purposely took both of them fully charged knowing that um 
they were both going to be dead by the time I got back in seven hours of walking around the city. Um, I think I had 9% on one and 19 on the other because I was just snapping away shot after shot after shot. Now, not every one of them is going to be, you know, that best one. I remember my first, uh, photography class. Um, my, uh, my professor's like, if you've got a roll of 36 and you can get one shot that <laughs> yeah, you really, like, right. <laughs> then, then that's, then you've, you know, you've done a good job. He goes, because you not all the time are you going to get that perfect shot. So, well, isn't it um, isn't it great nowadays that we have that ability? I mean, you have two iPhones. Oh, yeah. You probably took you know upwards of a thousand, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe two thousand photos that day. I mean, oh yeah. yeah, you know, if you divide that by thirty six, I mean, how many how many shots could you have gotten? I mean, I'm I'm so jealous of of the abilities that we have today uh, from when I I lived in Europe for a year, uh, my last year at Cal Poly, uh, I lived in Florence, Italy. And, you know, I I took maybe 2000 slides that year, which was a whole lot of rolls of film, but Oh oh my gosh, if I had had something like an iPhone with me, um, (laughs) I would have been taking, you know, a thousand photos or 2000 photos a day. You know, yeah. I mean, on, on when we took some of our trips, I mean, it was just phenomenal. Um, it would have been so fantastic. So we're we're so lucky, and I mean, everybody that is growing up with these things now, like you said, Evan, the best phone uh, that you have is the one with you. And, and quite honestly, I've never had a big fancy, you know, camera, and I'm not that into photography, but I love to take photographs and. Um, I mean, quite honestly, my iPhone has completely replaced my point and shoot camera. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, you know, with things absolutely. like Instagram where they just solve the problem of sharing photos yes. and when you have something that's connected all the time, it's, it's really fun. You know, I think for a long time, Instagram was my guilty pleasure just to flip that opening, scroll through some amazing photographs. Oh, and there yeah. are some yeah. serious photographers on there. Um, I really yeah. enjoy it a lot. Now, I don't necessarily believe, it, as much as I love, you know, I've, I'd have i probably say 50% of the people that I follow on Instagram are photographers. The other 50% are, you know, like sketch artists, comic book artists, and things like that. Um, most of the time, like in their bio, they'll say, you know, shots only taken by iPhone 5. I'm like, yeah, sorry, no, I, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, fantastic shot. But the contrast and everything else, you well, know, they've been edited yeah. <laughs> on the phone. Well, see, that's the thing that I kind of, you know, it doesn't that sort of defeat the purpose of Instagram. You know, no, it's, I mean, well, there's you know, all kinds you know of why? Because Instagram has the built-in yeah, filters, built-in filters. They now have editing tools in there that you can, you know, yeah. do things with. I mean, that's why a lot of people, you know, if you if you post something on Instagram and it looks really great and you didn't use any filters, it's like you have to put a little hashtag after it, you know, like no filters. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like, no I didn't cheat. Yeah. This is a really cool photo. <laughs> what is, uh, um, one of the things that I've noticed that now, um, I had the idea of when I was in the Army and I was stationed in Germany, I knew I was going to architecture school. And so I took pictures of buildings. But they weren't that, I mean, 
they were just pictures of buildings. You know, I would take the skewed shot looking up at a spire or something like that. But they were they weren't that good. Have you guys noticed? You know, Evan, have you noticed that your maybe not necessarily your technical skills, but your sensibility of framing the shot and all of that other stuff, or at least being able to recognize what's a good shot versus just oh. a shot. I, you know? I, I try to really, I have two types of photos that I put up. I put stuff that I really like, and then I put stuff that I'm just kind of sharing right. um, my life. And so I kind of fall into those two categories, but yeah, I kind of only put up what I think are actually really good shots. Right, and right. I feel like, you know, this kind of goes for photography in general. Uh, the more shots you take, the better you get. And so that's another oh, yeah. thing that these devices have really helped with. And digital photography in general is that you're not afraid to fill up the 36 shots anymore, right? You're going to take thousands of shots and you're going to weed it out. And you might get five or ten great shots out of that, um, out of that thousand. But those are the ones that you're going to put up and share and let everybody see and not keep them in a shoebox in the closet right. either. right. So, yeah, I mean, the photography thing to me has been, it's been a great artistic kind of way for me to branch out. And we do it all the time when we're working on architecture. We're kind of, you know, working on these models, whether they're physical or digital, and we're spinning them around and we're getting, changing our point of view. And you you do start to think like a photographer. I know, like, when we decide to do renderings of our projects... Um, we're really thinking about composition and light oh, yeah. and Absolutely. mood. And, you know, when I was teaching, I was always talking to my students about creating a mood when it's finally time to actually do renderings. You don't just render the building. You actually have to create and tell some kind of a story. You want to create some kind of a mood. And I feel like photography really helps uh, develop those skills. And and it is really all about the light. I You know, that's something that I heard quite a while back and the more pictures I make um, the more I realize that it is all about the light and so you can I think you really can get phenomenal photographs with that tiny little lens on the back of your phone if the lighting is is great so you know what I'll do too is I'll post a couple links in the show notes to our Instagram accounts and on my website I've got a pretty good gallery of photos too that I've made so I'll put that in there as well well, obviously, you'll see the other hobby of mine, which is uh, sketching on mine. Since uh, go ahead, nine tenths of my Instagram is shots of my sketches. Um, you know, so so when we do post that, you'll uh, you know, and obviously, if anybody's listened to this show before, you guys know how much I'm into sketching. Um, rarely is it sketching of architectural items. It's more just of crazy, weird, whacked out kind of fun stuff. Just, you know, it's, it's, I use it as a escape from sometimes the, uh, the monotony or the minutia of the profession. And sometimes I just kind of, you know, just use them just to kind of have fun. Um, yeah. not to say that architecture is not fun, but, uh, sometimes, uh, actually, um, I was listening to, um, so, you know, I, I've told, told both my wife and my oldest son, um, who's been reading all sorts of pretty interesting books. So I knew that he'd be able to handle, understand, and is mature enough to, um, understand a little, or be able to 
understand and not take to heart some of the gore that's in this particular book. Um, so we go to Chicago on our trip and, uh, devil in the white city. I, I, I kept talking to them about, you know, certain things in the book and, and stuff like that as they're walking. And, um, I told them, well, you guys know that I've got it on audiobook as well. And so the whole trip back both to, cause we went from Chicago back to Detroit to visit a little bit more family members and then, you know, on back to Maryland. And, uh, it's a four, almost fifteen hour audiobook and we didn't we haven't finished it yet, but we were listening to it and um what was interesting is that even the great architects that we learned about, you know, McKim, Burnham, you know, Olmstead, all of these people, Root, all of them in this book, because this is a, you know, this is a, a work of uh, nonfiction, and um, the way that the author painted a picture is just how tiresome architecture, the the profession of architecture, can be. Um, not that they obviously didn't love it, but it just kind of you know you there's it it's something that kind of uh you know where's your batteries at, which is kind of what we're talking about this podcast for, you know, there's, you, you do need to kind of take a break and get away from it every so often. Um, and you know, so yeah. they had, they had their yeah. drinking and everything else, but it was kind of funny is because they were talking about it and half these architects that they were talking about, they were just dropping dead. I'm like, Holy <laughs> crap. Okay. Yeah. We've already <laughs> talked about that particular episode, but now I have an even growing, a bigger list of architects who kind of died on the job, you know, one way or the other. I mean, uh, Root died from pneumonia because after a meeting, he, you know, would rushed home. He, he did later, they found out that he had cancer, but he didn't die of the cancer. He died of pneumonia because, you know, he was rushing to get home after a meeting and, didn't wear a jacket in the bitter cold of Chicago and caught pneumonia. So it's Jeez. just like, see, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Architects don't retire. They just die. <laughs> <laughs> so you need a hobby to bring it back to what we're talking about. All right. Yeah, that's a good point. So Neil, what do you do to uh, recharge your batteries? What hobby do you have? I don't know about recharging my batteries, but uh, another one, that I've been doing for the past few years now is I, I tend to run a lot. <laughs> I, uh, from who? Yeah. From Cormac <laughs> throwing his knives at me. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, you know, if you, I, I've always run a little bit, uh, just kind of stay in shape and, and stuff like that. But, uh, a couple of, a few years ago, my wife ran some five K's and she was like, ah, oh, you know, come on out and you know, you should do it too. All right, fine. So I, I ran a couple of 5Ks, and then uh, I did a 10K, and then I was like, well, you know. You went crazy. What, what, yeah, that's not too bad. Just you know, a little more than six miles. So, um, <laughs> no, no, you went crazy. I went, yeah, okay, yeah, I went a little. Well, no, I didn't, I didn't. It didn't start out that way, right? I mean, I just thought, well, what's the next challenge? Okay, well, I did a 10K. And I could either run another 10K or run some more 10Ks and try to get faster, faster. 
but I was like, well, what's, what do you do after a 10 K? Right. I mean, what's the next distance? Well, that's a half marathon. Wow. I mean, that sounded like insurmountable at the time. And I thought it was back almost two years ago this week, actually. Um, I signed up for a training class and, and we spent, you know, I don't know, eight or tw- 10 or 12 weeks. And we, uh, you know, prepared for a half marathon and I ran a half marathon and I thought, wow, that was, that was really great. You know? Uh, and then after that, I was like, well, I guess, you know, what's the next thing, right? I was like, well, the next thing is a full marathon. And that sounded just absolutely insane. But I figured, well, yeah, maybe I'll I'll try it. So I did. I signed up. Uh, I guess it was a year and a half ago for my first marathon and prepared for it. And you know, you put in the time and you you do the you do what you have to do. And um, and I ran it, and it was great. Uh, it was it was like um, you know, what's the next mountain to climb? You know, what's the next uh, challenge? I guess. And so I did that. And afterwards. Um, you know, I kept, I just kept running because I didn't want to lose it. You know, you, you build up, um, a lot of momentum and, and just a lot of, uh, running ability. And so I just kept running. And, and, you know, one of the things that helps me kind of keep me on track is, uh, I, I joined the running club that was part of the group that, um, you know, got me doing this or helped me do my training. But then I also use going back to the iPhone, um, the Nike plus app on that and, and then and another running app from time to time. But I really focus on the Nike plus running app and, um, you know, that just keeps track of all of my running. And, uh, you know, I guess that <clears throat> it just, you know, once you get started, it's, it's hard to stop. And then you kind of get challenged by people, you know, people in the running club and it's like, you know, there's always faster people out there. So as soon as you think you're doing pretty good, you're like, yeah, I, I ain't, I'm not that good. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I have a goal this year to essentially run a hundred miles a month and hit 1200 for the year. And, you know, that, that, that'd be a good accomplishment for me. I came close last year, but I had a, a back injury that took me out for about five, six weeks. And I missed that goal last year. But, um, but I mean, there's a person in our running club and, and she's, she's going for 2,400 miles this year. I mean, 200 a month. So it's like, as soon as I think I'm doing pretty good, you know, there's, there's somebody out there that's just blowing me away. So, uh, but that's a hot, there's a, it's, it's, there's an app I've seen called Strava yes. that a lot of mountain bikers mm-hmm. use. Um, and it, 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 I think what it does is it kind of breeds competitiveness between you and your buddies or other people who are doing the same trails that it you does. are. Yeah. It totally does. And, and, uh, and yeah, so it's, in fact, I was looking at mine today. I was like, I want to be number one on the list. You know, it's like, ah, damn it. You, know? <laughs> you got to be on the leaderboard. I, yeah, I'm on the leaderboard. It's like, <laughs> I want to be number one. And, and so it kind of pushes you, but what's, what's good about it is that as much as running as I do a hundred miles a month, it's about 25 miles a week. So, um, you know, there, there's a lot of time that you spend doing that and, it's kind of peaceful. Sometimes you, if I'm out by myself, it's, it's peaceful. You're out running early in the morning and, you know, you can kind of think about, you know, what am I doing? What are my, what projects am I working on? You know, what design problems do I have? And, you know, pretty soon it's like, wow, an hour goes by and you've run eight miles. And so, um, 
it's kind of a, a nice distraction. And, and quite honestly, since, you know, you do kind of get into that competitiveness and you want to keep, you know, pushing and doing more, um, it, uh, it allows you to, um, f- or I should say it forces you to, to do that because it's like, oh my gosh, well, 25 miles is a lot of miles. I can't run that in one day. So it's like, okay, well, it's Thursday. Oh no, I haven't run at all this week. So it's like, well, in order to hit that 25 miles, I better start doing, you know, six or eight miles a day, you know, to, to hit that. And what it, what's great about it is that it literally forces me to say, okay, I, you know, when I get up this morning, I'm just going to be an hour late into the office or an hour late starting this morning because I have to do this. Cause it's, yeah, you can't break the chain. Right. Right? It, I mean, it's so easy for us. How many of us every single day, it's like, ah, oh, I really should do this. Right. But, oh, I got to get into the office. I got to get this done. Yeah. It's the same thing right? for me studying for my exams. I get up every day, no matter what, because as soon as you don't do it, man, that next day, it's even easier not to do exactly. it. Exactly. Exactly. So yep. if you're, if you're, you know, so that's really what the hobby of running for me is done is that it, you know, it keeps me. Um, you know, focus and, you know, helps me stay in shape a little bit. And, uh, and then it, it just, it, it forces you to take a break. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I, I get out on my mountain bike and I go up, we have a lot of great trails here and man, that, that place out there is my sanctuary. Yeah. That's like clear thinking, fresh air, um, get your heart working and it, and it's like a total escape for me. And for me, like I love the sound of rubber tires on a dirt road or a trail. Um, and as soon as I hear that, it's like I'm I'm just gone from disconnected from the urban suburban setting. You know, it's it's really soothing to me. And when I don't do it, you know, because there was a, a few months this past, you know, it's been hot. It's been really hot here in Southern California. And uh, there was a few months where I just wasn't riding because I was studying or whatever. Um, man, I missed it. And my body has paid for that because I didn't go for a while. So now I'm, I'm getting back into it again. And, um, it's, it's like what you're saying. It's like, you want to get out there, you want to hit a certain goal, but, but really like it, it's, it's a total getaway. It's a total release. Um, you can work out your frustrations. There's definitely some mind chatter that's going on while you're out there. But I feel like when my legs are moving, my mind is working. And, uh, it's, it's really beneficial to me to like work things out while I'm by myself on the trail. I think, you know, when I'm training for an actual race or like last year, uh, after running my second marathon, I was like, what's the next challenge? Well, let me try uh, a triathlon, a sprint triathlon. And I ended up doing four of those over the summer last year. And what was interesting about that is you're not just running. You've got to train for three different sports, uh, swimming and biking and running. And what was great about it was kind of what we're talking about is that with that training schedule, you can't get off of that training schedule. If you miss a day of training in one thing or another, it's like, okay, well, how do I A, make that up? But B, it's like, no, I have to leave the office today and I have to go swim tonight. There's just no, no option. And I can, I tell you, it's, it's very therapeutic because it it forces you to get out of that office. It forces you to stop thinking about that office stuff. You know, although like what I said, sometimes I'm off for a long run, 10 or 12 miles or something, you know, you can start, you know, just kind of think about it a little bit. Um, Like you said, your mind's working, right? 
but it's also that yep. distraction. You're getting outside, you're getting some fresh air. You, you know, I run around and locally here, I get to see the vines and the wine vinery, you know, and just, just, yeah, it's just beautiful. It's terrain. cool to like do the same, you know, you, you, every once in a while you're doing the same loops right. and you notice different things, but then you notice how things develop. Yes. And I, I think that's pretty fun part. Absolutely. Of it. Yeah. Because yeah. in, in yeah. running at least, and probably biking. I, I, I see far more bikes in I'm the spring. I'm going slower than you. Well, <laughs> no, but I was going to go with, you know, during the spring and summer, I see a lot more bikes. But, I mean, we, we yeah. run all winter long, rain or shine. And so yeah. you don't see as many bikes in the winter. Uh, no, but, you don't. Uh, but you do. You totally get to see the change in the, in the you know, just your environment. And it, it's just, yeah. it's a lot of fun. You know, it, we're not always running in towns. We're running on trails sometimes to... Uh, and uh, out through the vineyards and stuff like that around here. Um, so it, it's, it's great fun. You know, it's, it's also a way that I've met a lot of people outside of architecture, you know, because architecture, we tend to focus so much on work and we get this little bubble of, of people that we know, right? I mean, we all have our friends yep. that are like architecture friends. It's, we, we get together with them on weekends and we talk architecture. It's like, we never let go of it. That's a pretty big bubble when you get Twitter involved too. Well, yeah, absolutely. But then, you know, like the people I run with, none of them are architects. They all do different things. And so they're all, they're bringing different experiences to my experience that I can use when I sit down to design for a client. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's a wonderful way to, to get your mind off things and get a know, bigger perspective, yeah. get a bigger perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. So, cool. That's a couple of them there. I think we both got a little bit in there on that one. All so right. Cormac, you've been quiet. We've been talking, well, we've been talking about sports, but we really haven't been talking about sports because then if we were really talking about sports, Evan would be very quiet right now. <laughs> Go sports. Go sports. Go sports. <laughs> Team score. Football Yay. started this week. Yes. Yeah. Well, I don't uh, I don't run anymore only because of damaged knees and all that other stuff from from you're not in the army the anymore army well no i just <laughs> uh i used it did I its mean, thing to you just a few years ago when i i used to run eight miles a day every day all the time um sometimes upward to 16 miles depending on how much i would uh but i got pneumonia really kind of sort of stopped running but then um that layoff kind of uh pointed out some other problems that i had and these were were one of them so i hike there you i go. hike a lot actually um i grab my you know um evan's talking about you know the uh um the the sound of you know the rubber hitting the road and or the rubber hitting the trail and you know it's magic it's a teleportation to him mine is the uh click of my um walking stick that I've had for, I don't know, going on almost, uh, I, I bought it when I was 18. Oh my God, that I, thing's ancient. It is. <laughs> but the first thing, that was actually the very first thing that I ever bought in Germany was a uh, walking stick because I joined a, kind of like this uh, Volksmarch. It's actually, which is kind of a yeah, it's called a club. cane. Yeah, no, now it's called yet. a cane. Not yet. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, however, if I when I do get to the point of having a walker, 
It's going to be a nice hand-carved wood. You mean wood. when? At, Evan, the... it's, it's what he uses to yell at the kids to get off his lawn. <laughs> I can see it now. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not Neil's. Uh, um, Neil's world yet. <laughs> but uh, we don't have actually, lawns here. You know, We're in the middle of a you, drought. You, you, <laughs> you had actually, Neil, the way that you had phrased the question to Evan was, "What do you do to recharge?" Or maybe it was vice versa. Yes, recharge your batteries. And let me ask this: If you guys do what I do which I do often, and that's, I go visit architecture, other people's architecture. Um, I go look at buildings, um, old buildings, historic buildings, new buildings. Um, you know, I kind of try to, yeah, I, I don't sit and dwell on the worries of my own stuff. And I just detach myself from you know, being a architectural professional and just try to put all that stuff behind me and actually just be a person, an experience as a part of, you know, that experience of what that architect was trying to do and uh, just go in and visit other buildings. Um, I had a question from a couple of people actually uh, while I was on vacation and I was kind of Instagramming photos of you know like the Milwaukee Museum of Art and some of the other things that uh, um, I saw in Chicago and they were like you know how can you uh, you know how do you do it how do you go on vacation and go and visit architecture with your kids um, other than the obvious answer is they don't really have much of a choice um Really, what we do is we try to integrate the fun of that I have of going to see some of these buildings with trying to find out some fun things that we can do with them while we're there and then make it up to them and go do something else and have fun, fun with them. Um, but uh, do you guys do that? Do you guys try to get away from architecture by going to visit oh, architecture? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do that. Next weekend, going down to La Jolla, San Diego area, I'm going to do a little architecture tour down there and visit the Salk again and get up uh, into the cool. campus at San Diego. And uh, That's a bucket list for me as the yeah, Salk. Yeah, I, actually, I need to get, get online and see if I think they have Sunday morning tours. But, um, hey, if we got any people who know any inside info on the Salk, I, I'll take it. Um, but, yeah, totally do that. I mean, that's... That's something that my wife and I were doing every other weekend. We were going into L.A. just to see architecture. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of people working in the industry who are doing a disservice to themselves, not getting out and seeing other people's work and experiencing it. Absolutely. That's a huge part of And I, I, I'm so glad to hear you say that because I wish more people did that um, and get out of their element Um you know, we, we all get stuck kind of designing things with the details we already know. And I feel like that's a real way to just up your game and see how other people did things, whether they're better or worse or, or you know, just different. I feel like that's a huge, huge deal to uh, to just get that other perspective on architecture. Well, you know, um, I was joking with a friend of mine at work. I 
had texted uh, him the picture that I took of the lobby of, and, and I actually want to put it when we uh, post our show notes. I'll uh, I'll I'll post that picture of the um, of the lobby space for the um, Milwaukee Art yeah. Museum, and. You know, I was just like, oh, how would this feel for, you know, this one particular project that I'm working on right now? And he goes, yeah, I'm pretty sure they've got the budget for that, knowing that, you know, we currently are trying to cut the budget. Mm. Um, but we were joking about it. And I was thinking to myself, you know, we may not be able to do a school project because obviously, you know, they're not going to allow us to kind of frivolously spend that kind of money on a school project. But we can capture a mood. We can capture the way that the sun kind of moves across that particular um, space. Very, you know, it may not be the exact way that that particular building does, but we can create those moods. We can kind of set those things. And to see how, and the thing that I like is to see how other people have, you know, approached it. Um, You know, you know, I was texting you guys um, that I was in uh, Oak Park, and for the longest time, and I don't know if you guys are like this, but in architecture school, I didn't like Frank Lloyd Wright. We were almost trained to hate him, and I don't really know why. Hmm. Um, because the I, I guess it's the older I get, the more I see his work, the more I experience things. I have got a huge appreciation for everything that he's done in just one span, one block in Oak Park. There are so many different styles of right in such a short span of space. You know, he's done these gabled roofs that are so adorned with um, ornamentation because you can tell that this was one of his first buildings that actually he was wasn't his first it was a building that he or a house that he did while he was still employed by louis sullivan to then when he was on his own to then his own his own house and the experimentation that he did on his own house with different styles and ornamentation or lack thereof or this or that or the other and this guy was always learning you know he was always visiting other places and looking at how they did it and uh, so, you know, as you uh, said, Evan, you know, architects who don't go and visit other architects work and just kind of experience the place and gain either either a respect or maybe you don't like it. And maybe the reason why you don't like it are some of the things that you will promise yourself you'll never do, you know, but you've learned from that building. And uh, so... <laughs> I do that often. Yeah. Yep, that's an awesome one. That, and that's one that, uh, like I said, you know, we um, we drag our kids to it often. You know, uh, uh, just a, an example. My my oldest son, when you know he was, uh, I don't know, third grade or something like that. They uh, in our class, he was learning about. Um, uh, crap, I'm forgetting his, uh, uh, Alexander Coulter. And, uh, he was, they were learning about, you know, all the artwork of him, 
of Alexander Calder. And there's one of his uh, big mobiles is in um, the uh, National Gallery yeah. of Art in I've D.C. So I, I took I took my son to go see it rather than just looking at it in a book. I wanted him to go and see the piece. And we sat there, and rather than talking about just the piece, we talked about how the piece was displayed, the space, how it interacted with the space, how the people in the space interacted with the piece of art, how the light worked and all this other stuff. And so we kind of turned it into not just art appreciation, but architecture appreciation, a little bit of, uh, you know, sociology, you know, and um, people watching and stuff. So, you know, it was just, it was kind of fun. And he didn't, he, he wasn't bored by that. He, he actually found it very interesting to, to look at it as just, yeah, we're not just looking at the piece of art. We're looking at how that piece of art works within the, you know, the confines of where it's at. Yeah. Very cool. Boring. <laughs> well, it's all part of, you know, the different hobbies, right? The different things we do outside of architecture. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's part of that, you know, yeah. creating those experiences. I mean, learning in a different way outside of the book. Well, you know, what was interesting about it is because, you know, we've had those early experiences in things that we were talking about as we were walking around Oak Park. You know, he, uh, you know, my other two kids were kind of hanging back with their mom and um, I was uh, walking with my oldest. And, um, you know, the questions that he was asking me about the buildings, about the material, about the design, when do you think he did this and all of these other things. I mean, it was just amazing the questions that he was asking, which clearly indicated to me that he wasn't bored. He was just, I mean, that he was actually engaged and interested in this stuff. And it was purely by accident that he's, you know, I'm I'm not going to say that he's interested in architecture, but he's at least, you know, we don't, we make it where, you know, outings like that are fun. Well, you, you better start getting him watching lawyer shows or doctor shows because you don't want him to be an architect. Do you? Oh, he doesn't. He doesn't want to be an All architect. Right. That's good. I feel he better to, now. He he wants to be something more profitable. <laughs> a writer. A writer? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, that's a whole nother show. <laughs> oh, yeah. What? There, are, there are rich people in every industry. Yes, there are. That's true. And yeah. <laughs> he did he did proclaim that he wants to be the next Stephen King. Oh, that's cool. It's good to have goals. Yeah. There you go. All right. All right. Any more or do are we I done? got one more. Okay. Which is music. I don't know how many of our listeners know, but the music at the end of the show is from a band that I was in. Um that's why we get such a good deal on it. <laughs> music at the top of the show too. That's right. That's true. So yeah, I mean music is a you know, kind of again, one of those other alternative creative outlets and i feel like i'm sure that we probably have listeners who are also musicians and i work with a few guys who are always noodling on the guitar piano or whatever and um i just feel like it's one of those things that is a lot like designing except you're doing it in a completely different way um especially if you're in a band and you're working with other people it it, it's a lot like working with other architects um, yes, it's just as hard to actually decide what you're going to do and you fight about stuff and you have to defend things. And, um, 
it, it's funny how similar it is, but at the same time, it's a completely different outcome. And, uh, it's really rewarding. I feel like when you, because, because obviously the, you know, the quote unquote product is so much different, right? It's a, it's a three to a five minute song, um, versus a multi-year long building project. But a lot of those songs can take that long to actually create. Um, and they are all really hard work. And then you go, once you kind of figure out how the song's going to work, and then you go into recording and things change and, and then you mix it and then you master it and you put it on a, on a back in when, when we did it, we, you know, they went on to CDs and, and then digital. And so it's kind of cool that to hear, hear your stuff played on the radio, you know, to, to make it public, um, kind of like when, when a, a building gets built, it's public. Um, it's part of the public domain, I guess. And it's really exciting and thrilling and interesting. And then uh, it's it's also one of those things where it's definitely nowhere near as permanent as architecture, right? So, I mean, while there are definitely music and songs and bands who are extremely permanent, you know, um, there are others who are not. And it's more like a like a magazine or a website or a blog where you kind of skim through things and then you forget about them the next day. So I, f- I find it's, it you know, depending on how good the outcome is, it can fall into any one of those categories. And so it's completely different creatively than than architecture, but it's still extremely rewarding. And I feel like if I wasn't doing architecture, I'd probably be doing that instead. Um, it just has a, a very powerful impact on on me and the way that I work creatively. So I'd be interested to hear if there's other people who are listeners who are doing music or have done music in the past. And if you have, you know, send us some links so we can hear it because uh, we can talk about it. That'd be fun. You know, I've actually uh, been really surprised at architects that I've met, you know, around the DC area and how they've got similar interests of, of, you know, music, things going on uh, a good friend of mine that works at ZGF um he is uh he he's a, he's in a band you know and you know it's just like wow you know it's how many you know it, there are you know several people in our office that they're musicians you know they teach guitar and stuff like that and you know or just they just do a lot of uh you know a lot with music and I think that you're right it kind of helps with their creative process because, you know, as, as much as, uh, you know, a lot of people think that music's more free flowing now, music's got rules and stuff (laughs) just as much, (laughs) you know, and there's, yeah, you know, there, there, there's, you know, systems to it and you've got to learn the, you know, how to build on top of everything. And if it's not the, you know, the way that you were just talking about, you know, your music, it sounded like you could have come into that conversation and you could have been talking about architecture because it's, it's the same thing. It's funny because when I, if I, if I ever have a, a brain dead moment and I want to go just sit down in front of Netflix, I usually go through the documentary section and I'm either going to watch an architectural documentary or a music documentary. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There's so many good flicks on there about, you know, some, a, a band or, or about a, I watched this one the other night called 20 feet from stardom. I think that's what it was called about backup singers. 
And it's amazing. Huh. I mean, that it's a really well done documentary. It's got the Rolling Stones and it's got the police and it's got Stevie Wonder. It's got all these, you know, famous background singers you've never heard of, right? It, and it's a lot like architecture where there's people who work on our projects, you know, me included, where it's like somebody else, you know, I, I went to a <laughs> a ribbon cutting ceremony for one of the projects that I had designed and not once did they mention the architect, right? Ah, kidding, <laughs> not once. And and that's what it was like with watching this with the background singers. It was the same, very similar situation where it's like they really made that that record, you know, they made it what it was at that time, and and they they are not the ones who are credited for it. But I thought that was kind of a funny parallel. You know, I, I want to ha- I want to have that conversation later on, but I was just having that similar that exact conversation with uh, some school board, uh, some people who work for the school board that are in the Department of Construction. We're getting ready to do the dedication for this building that I've been working on for the past five years. And, uh, you know, I'm like, well, I'll just stand in the back like I always do. And you guys go through and pat everybody on the back and you'll thank all of the people that you need to thank. And never once will we ever be mentioned. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, uh, you know, we'll walk through the building anonymously, you know, knowing that this was just as much our hard labor as it was your money. Uh, Yep. But uh, you know, so anyway, well, we'll we'll see. Yeah, that's a good one. Different time. All right. Well, now everybody knows us a little bit better. Yes, maybe <laughs> a little too much. A little too much. Well, every, every... and Evan and I later on, we'll, you and I'll talk about our uh, our love of uh, rebuilding old cars. Yes. Oh yeah, we didn't even. Yeah, there's I've too never many. Rebuilt one, but I had an old. Car. Oh, there, yeah, there's I have too many hobbies. Yeah. yeah. Well, we we want to know what your hobbies are, yeah. Our listeners' hobbies, so you know, go to our website and and let us know. Put some comments up there. That's right. All right. So, are we ready to wrap it up, guys? Let's wrap it. We are. All right, everybody. Remember to stay subscribed and thanks for listening. All right. See you next time. See ya, Cormac. You're gonna say goodbye. Cormac forgot to say goodbye. I forgot to say goodbye. <laughs> goodbye.
Thank you.